Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host, Craig Fowler, and I am joined via Riverside by Craig Telfer. Hello, Craig. Hello, Craig. How you doing, man? I'm good, I'm good, especially after last night as Scotland took one step closer, and we're pretty much there. We've got one foot, one and a half feet, whatever we've got, basically almost an entire body inside Germany. We're just kind of got like a small pinky, I think, maybe on the, on the outskirts. What would have to happen for us not to qualify? It would have to be a, a really bizarre series of events. I'm thinking like Mr. Burns' softball team. So, uh, <laughs> where you can maybe have one misfortune. That's fine. Two misfortunes, but seven misfortunes. Yeah, it, it's pretty much like that. Because Scotland, at this point, Scotland would have to lose all the remaining matches and Norway or Georgia. That's definitely not going to happen. Yeah. We'd have to win all their remaining matches. So, I mean, the, the only the only possibility there is Norway, really. And it's it's very remote, though, now. Because I'm not seeing any updated percentages. But the percentage before the match of Scotland qualifying was something like 98%. Right. So it's surely like 99 now. <laughs> Aye. I, I, I would, it would be extraordinary if we didn't qualify. I've been absolutely astonished at how good Scotland have been over these qualifying groups. And I think last night, like for a lot of ways, last night was one of the most impressive performances. And I say that because, I mean, Cyprus, let's, let's straight out of the box, Cyprus are not a good side. And Cyprus were a, a team we really should be expected to, to beat. Zero drama, zero tension, zero jeopardy. The match almost over and done with after 16 minutes. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So... Scott McTominay, who we'll get on to talking about more in depth soon. So good, man. So good. Opened the scoring in six minutes. Ryan Porteous made it two and 16, as you said, from 
It looked a foul to me. I, I thought it say. was a foul. I thought it was a foul. Jack Hendry sort of um, coming over the back of the defender. Yeah, it looked initially like he had two hands on him, but then the angle find the goal showed that that was not the case. And I think he was maybe helped by the fact that that angle obscured his left hand because mm. I'm, I'm still very much sure that he used his left hand for leverage and was kind of pinning the defender down. But the referee didn't give it. There wasn't enough. From the three replays you saw on, on Viaplay, there wasn't enough to overturn it. I don't know if the referee yeah. saw anything else. And then John McGinn with a excellent finish at the end of a, a move where you just thought, like you said at the, at the, at the top, bloody hell, how good are this team? <laughs> I was incredible, man. I thought one of the things though I think is worth pointing out is I was watching this game in the pub last night. And normally when I'm watching the Scotland games in the pub, it's, you can just watch the game, having a couple of laggers, you're a bit loose. This one, because I knew that you and I were speaking this morning, the morning after the match, take it a wee bit more seriously. But... Once it kind of got to the second goal, when I'm thinking, there's really not all that much to talk about, just because like, like Cyprus was such a mediocre opposition. The second half was a procession, but it doesn't take away with how good a performance that was from Scotland, how measured a performance. I remember speaking to people in the build-up to the game, like on the Thursday and on the Friday morning, and they say, how Scottish would it be to have done so well in the previous four matches and go to Cyprus and get turned over? And I remember saying, nah, nah, this is different. This side's different. These results might have happened uh, like five, six, seven years ago. This doesn't happen with this this team. And I'm glad to have been um, proved proved right in that. Yes. It really feels like a different animal. And honestly, it's like, what were we worried about? What were we worried about? Because that they were they were such a, a shabby, mediocre opposition. The second half, it was like watching like like uh, football fans in training, walking football. It just it was so straightforward for Scotland. It really was, and that was that's a big difference, really, between this team and past Scotland teams, and even this current Scotland team in its er- earlier kind of iterations. Like, if you still remember the last campaign when we were doing so well, and we absolutely toiled away to the Pharaohs. Yeah, and, and you and I mean, there was another. I think there was another game last game as well. Was it way to Moldova? Where we were fairly comfortable, but then like the last oh. ten minutes, we give away a penalty, and you're yeah. thinking, "Oh God, if we concede now, then." And thankfully, Craig Gordon saved it. So it mm-hmm. Saved us from any kind of late pressure, but. There was still that that side to them where you you, you didn't know whether they could, you could trust them to take care of business against the sides that they should be able to take care of, and mm-hmm. we've still got the Georgia game to go. But um, so I don't <laughs> I don't want to jinx things possibly, but it feels like this team are unjinxable now. It feels like you can actually just trust them to to get the job done. I, we don't want to look too far into the future because obviously we've got still got to to analyze the, the Cyprus match here. But I, I think Spain go there and have a laugh. Because the Spain are a good side, you know they they pasted Georgia seven one. They yeah. showed when we played them at Hamden they're a good side. They're very good at at, at like keeping the ball, and they, they put, did put us under pressure. It's when you see games like that, you appreciate how good a player Rodri was. For instance, he was terrific in that match. Norway, I would fancy us to take a point off them at home, maybe even beat them, and I'd, I'd fancy us to beat Georgia away. I going into that match against Georgia, they'd come off the back of a fairly long unbeaten sequence it was teams like against like Gibraltar and like Mongolia now I don't know much about the Mongolian Premier League but I do know that Scotland should not be fearing teams that are pasting uh, that are pasting Mongolia and I think that I am expecting about four points from these these uh, next couple of games yeah I mean I, I suppose with the Spain Spain away is going to be very very difficult um, mm. and I suppose that's the only kind of maybe an annoying thing is that we'll get to talking about the game soon but just kind of looking forward to, to when it's Qualification is sealed, and Steve Clark can finally stop giving these interviews. But he's just basically saying the same thing over and over again. So it's a good start. We've done very well. We're not there yet. 
But uh, I suppose, yeah, the only annoying thing is that it's it's unlikely, I would say, to happen on Tuesday. I would, I would expect Norway to beat Georgia at home. If mm-hmm. Norway don't beat Georgia, yeah, well, if, if Georgia beat Norway, it's still, we've not qualified, but we essentially have, because Georgia are not going to run the table for the rest of this campaign. Norway, on the other hand, uh, that that is a, a, a slim possibility, but a possibility nonetheless. And it'll, it is just, that's the only thing that's maybe a little bit annoying, that we might have to wait another couple of months to it. Yeah. But, but who cares? If it's done... With a game to spare, that that's fine. That's that's, that's all we need. <laughs> that that'd be the, the the dream though would be the Tuesday night game against England. We've stuck a couple of past them. We've got the cigars out, and then there's the, you hear a murmur around the stadium saying, <laughs> "There's this this result's coming in, and it means we're qualifying." Could you imagine how good how good that's going to feel? That's that's what I'm pinning my hopes on. We qualify on Tuesday night. Right. Let's look at aspects of this game last night. So. Like I, I said, I teased it earlier. Scott McTominay, what a what a player, what a player for, somebody, for somebody that I kind of I didn't really want starting for Scotland most of the time because I was quite underwhelmed mm. a lot with his performances when he was playing in that deeper role as he does for Manchester United, which I think we we know now, not beginning to see, we know yeah. now that that is a waste of his talents. When he was there for Scotland, <clears throat> like alongside Callum McGregor or whoever else he was partnered with, he never really seemed to play that well he never seemed to look too imposing and didn't really seem to dominate and struggled I thought in a lot of games I thought he was better on the right of a back three but you saw that quite often that defensively he was just a bit too yeah, frail yeah, he, yeah. He, was, he was great bringing the ball out and he helped that system with Tierney doing it on the other side but he, he did struggle in terms of sorry if anybody could hear that in the background my cat's having cat. a fucking <laughs> mad one <laughs> I don't know if Riverside will be able to quash that background noise. Um, yeah, but like he just made too many mistakes defensively, so you kind of eventually figured long term that's that's not that's not his position. Partly his position is a right sided number ten. I, I didn't see it coming, but th- this is what he's best at. His driving runs are really what make him, and his goal scoring as well. That's six goals in five games for Scotland. Uh, he six was, goals in five games. He was extraordinary last night. And again, you've always got to caveat it by saying that Cyprus were minging, but the reason Cyprus were minging because Scott McTominay was so good. And it's funny that you, you've kind of given a, a potted history of his Scotland career because you're right. Like playing in a, as a sort of like number six, he, he looked a bit inhibited in that role, as he has done for Manchester United. Playing on the right hand side of the back three, yes, he was good offensively, like an offensive defender. But there was a number of times I think he was quite poor in the air. I can't, I can't think off the top of my head, but I'm sure there were games where he was getting beaten in there and, and, and were costing goals from that. He there in his previous roles for Scotland, he was like Free Willy, just slapping his head off the side of that cage. Now he is a number, a sort of like a number eight, number ten. He is leaping, which is which is completely physical. It defies the laws of physics, but he is leaping over that stone, that stony walkway with a wee boy giving the fist underneath it. He was extraordinary last night. He is like a man unchained. Just the performance, the, the driving runs, the the aggression, the, the finishing. Like playing almost like an auxiliary striker, brilliant player, and I think that long term, you always want to see your players playing at the highest level possible. I think it's in his best interest is moving away from Manchester United. I don't West Ham were quite interested in Fulham as well. They were going to play him as a number eight, like quite further up the pitch, and it'd be great to see because that's what he's best at. He's just he's he's aggressive, he's leggy. I mean, leggy in a positive way. You know, when he, he can when he starts striding, he can he can really get going. And you saw that last night. I mean, that his 
the goal, very, very well taken. They're great uh, header from Shea Adams to, to set it up for him. And then the, the touch and field in the pass to McGinn for the third goal, just, just brilliant stuff. And it's it's crazy to think he's gone from somebody, oh, could you find a place for McTominay in this team to one of the, a key starter in the side. And somewhere you would rank him alongside Gilmer, McGinn, Tierney, Robertson, I think that's that's how important he's become. He's risen to that degree of prominence. Yeah, you said it was Adams the header. It was actually John McGinn. Oh, I I, I stand corrected. Said the man in the orthopedic shoe. I did. Was... Say, I won't say I did have a couple of laggers by this point. So <laughs> I was going to say you did watch it. at the pub. Yeah, if anyone does ask, that's it. If I get any, if I get anything wrong, that's what I'm putting down to. Not ignorance, uh, just alcohol. Because I want to get on to Adams because it's actually we could just talk about that now because it, it's still a positive for Scotland as a whole. That Adams had one of his most ineffective games, I think, in a Scotland jersey. And I mean, Lyndon Dykes was terrible against Norway until the last five minutes. Yes. But his contribution in those five minutes means that it, it was a very effective performance in the end. So it was probably the most ineffective a Scotland forward has been since the match, well, probably since the match against Ireland at 3 0 defeat. I was going to say the match against Ukraine, but I didn't see the Ireland game. I'm just assuming that the forwards were ineffective considering we got gubbed 3 0. It was. I, I don't want to talk about that much. <laughs> yeah, but okay. I, think it, yeah. I think it shows the kind of development of the team as a whole that our forward, our central striker, who has often been quite an important player in, in the system in terms of holding the ball up for these midfielders mm. and, 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 you know, creating space and the like, that Adams can do very little in this game, but Scotland are still so dominant. See, you actually say that doing very little. I thought Adams was really good in this game. I think, oh, really? That, yeah, I, I do. I, I think that Adams, when Adams isn't playing for us, we suffer. And as I like Dyke. Dyke's probably my favourite player in this Scotland team, but I do appreciate like his limitations. You mentioned that game against Norway. I think that myself, everyone in the pub I was watching with, everyone in the country was saying, get him off. Because he'd, he'd contributed so little and then pops up with a goal and assist. Adams, the... You said it there as well. The off-the-ball movement, the clever runs, just being able to, to drag players out of position. And it's something that just Dykes isn't quite as good at. Dykes is sort of more of a, a chaos factor. where You can get the yes. ball out of Dykes and, and something might be good, might be bad, but something is going to happen. Whereas Adams, it's far more subtle. And you really appreciate how good a player is when he's not playing. I thought he was good. I thought he was good. He didn't necessarily like dominate the match but I just thought his his runs and his movement and ability to fill space in that middle of the park take the take pressure away from the likes of McGinn and McTominay making those runs into the area just by having Adams there just makes a huge difference I think he is I, people get on his back for his, his, his lack of goals but it's been it's a I don't want to go all sort of like Matthew Lindsay at the Herald here complaining about the, the lack of quality centre forwards just weren't on the cusp of qualifying. <laughs> great, great timing there with uh, with that article. But it's uh, because of the, the Scotland, this this team is all predicated on the system. And I think the system by having a focal point, if it doesn't necessarily lead to goals, it will create the chances for other players, as we saw last night, as we've been seeing throughout this qualifying campaign. We will have a podcast on the Patreon next week with you and Tony discussing the the debate about the lack of quote unquote elite forwards that, that Scotland are producing and 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 have in the in the national team. But for for the being now, I want to move on and talk about somebody else who I think is in recent matches taken the Scotland team up a level and it's something that he's done for the second time in his Scotland career with a quite significant lull in the middle of it for reasons that have now become apparent and that he, I'm talking about Billy Gilmore like he was he wasn't getting a game at Chelsea he then he then gets a move and then some quite disturbing 
yeah. things happen in his personal life, which really kind of threw him off, and he, was he said himself to, really, really affected him. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was addicted to sleeping tablets at one point. I mean, it's, he was an article in the Athletic. It was himself, Mason Mount, and Ben Chilwell were being stalked. Yeah, and it was horrendous. I mean, the, the stuff in that, that Athletic article was pretty harrowing and and not nice. And and if he gets addicted to sleeping tablets, thankfully it was brief. Thankfully he's over it. But it's when you, you saw him kind of struggle to make an impact at Brighton, you're thinking, oh, geez, oh, he's really gone off the boil. What's happened here? Since that's all been put to bed, since he can concentrate on his football, he's fantastic. He was excellent in Brighton's win over Newcastle. And he was excellent again this evening, last night against Cyprus. He's just, just, a, he just knits everything together perfectly. Uh, a phenomenal player. I think that Chelsea will kick themselves. Chelsea will kick themselves. See about three, four years down the line when he makes a big move to Manchester United. Maybe Manchester City. He could go and play on the continent. He could go to play like round. Not, that's not an exaggeration. I'm not getting carried away. I think he's a, a generational talent that could play for these teams. They will kick themselves. He's so good. And it's... I was just watching, there was, there was a moment where he played this, it was in the second half, and it was just where Cyprus just could not get a grip of the ball, and it was because of him, just the control, the mastery, the vision, the head on a swivel, knowing everything's around him, knowing how to use your body, just to take someone out of the game with just a wee drop of the shoulder, just a phenomenal player, and aye, it's, it's great seeing him really come back to prominence, and, and then there was a bit of debate about whether or not he should be starting in that match. Maybe you want to go for, say, the likes of Ryan Christie and maybe just go like full pelt against him because I think that was one of the things coming into this match was the, the temperature in Cyprus. The heat was going to be a big factor. Do you remember a game, I think it was back in 2008, against Moldo uh, Macedonia? Played at Skopje in the middle. Of, it was the middle of the day. It must have been about 30-odd degrees. Scotland were beating 1-0. George Burley's first game. They just look knackered. They just looked absolutely knackered. And you worry about, about that match. Should What, what sort of system, what personnel should we go for? And I think putting Gilmer in there was the 100% the correct call. One, because he's banging form. And two, because if you, you're you going to have to work incredibly hard if you want to get the ball off him and Callum McGregor and John McGinn and Scott McTominay. So it was the right call putting him in there and just a phenomenal, phenomenal player. Great performance as well. The left-hand side was it's something that's been talked about for, for years and years at Scotland. That for, for a while, it was our only really kind of part of the team that was considered top class yeah and they were excellent again last night especially in the first half when Scotland were just kind of continually going at Cyprus and they had several moves going down that left but mm. I think what the point I'm making here is that Andy Robertson and Kieran Tierney it's great having them obviously but now there's just so many other bits of the team to appreciate now that yeah. it's, just, it's no longer just like oh if they don't play well we're not going to play well they played well last night but even if they hadn't I think it would have been perfectly fine still because there's just so many, but there's just so much talent and so much confidence and so much understanding. And understand is a key point that I want to get onto when we talk about mm. Steve Clark, just throughout the team. If you remember the Czech Republic game before the Euros, I think something that Sean and I have certainly spoken about before, but you remember that in the morning of that match when you found out that Tierney was injured? Yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, uh. it was like a real deflating feeling that Kieran Tierney wasn't going to be playing because the whole system was predicated on. Getting the getting him and Andy Robertson into the team, and I can't remember who it was that came in in his place. Um, oh, um, but I said, let me just have, let me just quickly I, check that. I can't remember who it was. If you you check that for like, the player that came into his place just simply wasn't as good 
in that role and the, the whole team suffered from it. I think now we can, I mean, we're certainly not at a stage like where we've got a, the same depth of squad like France, for instance, where you can field two very uh, good starting 11s. Aye, we, we, we put in Liam Cooper. That was kind of... A, that's what a, I thought a, it was, I Deserved criticism of Clark was that he, he was too wedded to the system then because you mm. saw when he he changed it for the three games that... I can't remember which one of them it was that missed. I assume Tierney, because he's, he's often injured. The, the three games we had where we beat Ukraine, we beat Ireland, and then we got the draw in Ukraine where we played well back four. And that, was when right. he, that was when he finally changed it and was like, right, if, if Tierney's not going to be fit, or if Rob, well, if Robertson's not fit, you can maybe still get away with Tierney and, and somebody else, like Greg Taylor, for instance, yes. out on the left, but when, when, or, or Hickey, or you can move him over and play somebody else at right back, right wing back, I should say. But when Tierney's not playing at left centre-back, there's nobody else that, that fills that Tierney role. Mm-hmm. So, so you need mm-hmm. to change systems. And that, that was what he brought in Liam Cooper for that game. And that's a completely different left-sided centre-half. Yes, aye, that, that, that did not work. That did not work. It's, it's, it's fair to say that did not work. But now I think that it's still, we still, Kieran Tierney would still be one of the first teams in the team sheet. I still really enjoy watching him and Robertson playing. However, if push comes to and we do... If Tierney misses out for whatever reason, I do. I would be confident in the players in reserve. Might co- uh, prompt a bit of reshuffling, but I would be confident that we've got the players that could that could fill in and step in. It's quite difficult to try and analyse this game because it was so like straightforward and so <laughs> the game. You know, like the, the only two moments in the match where Cyprus looked vaguely threatened when the shot that hit off the crossbar, which was offside, the yeah. move was offside anyway, and right at the very end when Ryan Porteous put a tackle to 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 block a block a shot. Other than that. They, they they just didn't threaten that it. it was the game was played out exclusively on, on our terms. And if you could, if you were doing a like a a risk free like storyboarding of how you wanted the game to go, that's exactly what you put down. Early goal midway through the first half, one just before half time to kill it, and then just have a laugh. And then you're kind of watching the game, thinking this is a wee bit boring actually. Going Cyprus, going. Go and do something. But you would never, you would never really want that to happen. But it'd be interesting if they, if they, if they had done. Go, go wake me up again. I right, go on. Go on, Cyprus. Go and do something. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, well, Ryan Purchase is, is something that you mentioned. And, uh, and Scotland's defensive record since he's come at the team has just been incredible. Am so I right in got- saying we've conceded one, we've, we've never lost the match and we've conceded one goal and that was from a penalty? Yes. Scored so, by the, scored by one of the best players on the planet. Aye, so competitive games. I can't remember if he played in the friendlies or not, but competitive games. He made his debut in that that final game of the Nations League campaign away to away okay. to Ukraine. So we got a draw, got a draw there, nil nil draw, clean sheet. Uh, started off this campaign against Cyprus, clean sheet. Played against Spain, clean sheet. Norway away, he gives away the penalty. Flute of 
a soft penalty yeah. to me. Shouldn't have been a penalty. Scotland, it was a makeup call because there should have been a penalty given against Jack Henry not long beforehand. So that was actually Jack Henry's fault and not Ryan Poch's fault, I'd say. Uh, but still, not considered a goal for open play. They would play Georgia. Another clean sheet, and then we play Cyprus. Another clean sheet, and I was looking. I went looking for it this morning. I, I typed it to Google, but it didn't come up on Google because the the evening news has changed websites, or the Scotsman has changed websites so many times that, that some older articles have been lost in the, in the shuffle. Because I knew I wrote uh, an article in, in a few years ago saying that Ryan Portis was good enough to play for Scotland one day. And then I was like, ah, actually, I'll find it on Twitter. And I did. And I wrote it. Funnily enough, it was in three days' time. would have been the, the fourth anniversary of me writing that. <laughs> September 13th, 2019. And I went through, I was really, I was looking, for, there was like a few comments on it and a few, and a couple of quote teats. And I was really hoping that one of them was going to be like, oh, a lot of shite. Because I was going to come, you know, do the, what is it, the, the big bird meme where he just yes. picks up the yes. <laughs> But unfortunately, everybody was just, uh, it was just him's fans being complimentary about it. But even, I was. I'm going to dine out on this for years and years to come. How, how right I was about Ryan Porteous. However, I still didn't quite see this rise in a Scotland jersey this soon, especially when the latter half of his sorry, latter half, the latter kind of days of his Hibs career under Maloney and then under at that half season under Lee Johnson, his form wasn't great. But it, it just shows that he, he just needed a new challenge. He needed to to test himself at a higher level. He'd outgrown Hibs, and his performances wavered as a result of that. And you see in a Scotland jersey, I mean, the reputation he had at Hibs. It's just not there. It's, it's yeah. just, you, would, you would not think it was the same player, especially his detractors would not think he's the same player. Do you know the bit in The Simpsons where it's that Homer Badman episode, the guy from Rock Bottom, he's like, sort of like, some t- <laughs> we in the media are sometimes in search of a scoop. <laughs> That's how, uh, he's really solemn when, when he's reporting. That's how I feel like Ryan Porter. I remember for a long time joking that he'd be like captain in Edinburgh City. Like very soon, I I'm going to retract that. I would like to make a public apology to Ryan Porteous. I love the guy. I think he's class. I think what you've said there about him is is bang on. I think. I mean, we've we've met him before. In fact, I was I was doing some work with him with the Scottish FA on Tuesday at Hamden with him and Lewis Ferguson. He's a really sweet boy. I think he's a bit bit misunderstood. Yes, he's he's done some stuff off the pitch that's uh, not too clever. Um, but I think he's. I just think he's. He finds football quite funny, and that's why, like, bamming up hips, sorry, bamming up Hearts fans and bamming up like Rangers, particularly Rangers supporters. I think he finds it all quite funny. And I, he, he was, he was getting to the stage where his, he was too, his talent was obviously too good that he needed to get away from from Scotland and sign and sign for Watford. And it's it's great to see him. I think Watford have had a bit of a mixed start to the season, but he's playing most weeks. And just with Scotland. I, I, I would describe him as a talisman. He's been excellent. The way that he's always been a very talented football player, you could tell. And I'm sure that one of the things, particularly under, was it under Jack Ross, the big way was about him carrying the ball out from the back. He, his his prowess on, on the ball is so important. And, and with having him in there, someone who's a good football player, it just unlocks like a Scott McTominay to be able to play further forward rather than uh, in, in this back three. And it's just great. I thought it was a real coming of age performance. It was great to see him scoring a goal. Yes, there might have been a Dubai, a bit of Dubai as to whether or not Jack Hendry fouled his opponent in the build up to it. But I just thought, aye, it's great. It's great to see him. Great to see him doing well. And and hopefully he's another player similar to McTominay. He can uh, move on. Hopefully move up uh, with Watford or with, with someone else because he's a, he's got the talent. Right, let's move on to the, talking about the final player that I want to focus on, and then we'll, we'll talk about Steve Clark, and then we'll talk about kind of Germ- go, going to Germany in general because uh, five of the terrorist guys have already booked up. 
Right, I want to focus on John McGinn. Another goal last night. He takes him up to 17 goals for Scotland. An excellent goal, an excellent finish. Brilliant, and yeah. He's only 13 behind Kenny Dalglish and Dennis Lowry. <laughs> what do you reckon? So I saw somebody said last night, like, surely he's going to... I think it might have been an Andrew Smith support for the <coughs> man of the match. Sorry, man of the match. Man buys in, in the Scotsman that he says, like, surely he'll, he'll catch and overtake them now. And I thought, that's still a, a tough order to ask for 14 goals from a 27-year-old, I think McGinn is. 28, yeah, actually. 20, yeah. In fact, he's, he's going to turn 29 next month. So that, that's probably a big ass, and I still am not sure that he's going to get it. However, just looking at his kind of breakdown of his goals for Scotland, he never actually scored for Scotland in his first 13 appearances. So he's got 17 goals in 43 games. That's very impressive. And very he's impressive. A, and he's played further forward than he did when he first came into the team. So it, I don't think he's going to get there, but... I mean, with some of the guff you play in international football, and that's that's when we've got to hold it back as well, actually, is that when we go into the Nations League next campaign... You're playing, playing good teams, aye. Yeah, we're going to be playing the A-League. We're not going to get any team that, that John McGinn can fit, kind of fill his boots against. That's just going to have to come in qualification against the some of the kind of lesser sides, because a lot of his goals have come against teams that aren't very good. So are you Marino, su- Cyprus, Kazakhstan, Faroe uh, Islands, Israel. Are Armenia. you suggesting, Fowler, that we do something like similar to the Portuguese FA, just to bump Cristiano Ronaldo numbers up there, we, and we, we get a game against like Hong Kong or something like that? Is that, is that what you're suggesting? Guam? Is that what you're suggesting we should play against? <laughs> we do it. We do it purely to prove Matthew Lindsay wrong. That we don't. We don't need. Don't need it. We, we don't we, need goal scorers. We've got goal scorer midfield. Yeah. Up front. Exactly. I John McGinn. I I, I get next to Lyndon Dykes probably my favourite player on the Scotland team. I'll be honest and say there, there's times, particularly during this campaign, where he hasn't quite been as effective. I mean, his game it's all about like power and it's all about uh, like hard yards and and graft. I mean, he's, he's, he's everyone knows his, his frame how how much he uses that to his advantage. And there's some games in this qualifying campaign. Forgive me, I can't quite remember which ones, but he could be particularly frustrating. There was one. In particular, he, I think he might have scored against them, but he didn't. He didn't have all that an effective match. However, in this game, he, he was excellent. The finish was brilliant. Great build-up play from McTominay, and just having him. That, that's what I'm saying earlier to the point about Adams. Having Adams there makes players like McGinn be able to function. And I think it was Adams run off the ball there that, that just opened up that space for McGinn to, to to bend the shot into the net. I actually thought it took a deflection on the way in, uh, just because the goalkeeper was completely planted. But can he overtake this record, Fowler? No, I'm going to go for no. I think yeah, that I think, uh, I think it's, it's a safe bet to say no because I thought at one point McFadden was going to do it, and then all his injury problems started, and he just he never even got close. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you can just you can just never tell in football. And, and McGinn's the type of player that I mean, he's obviously a very talented footballer as well, but he's he's kind of running ability, and he's, he's drive and athleticism yeah. is a big part of his game. And when that starts to wane, I, I don't think John McGinn's going to be. He might still be able to play for Scotland, but I don't think he's going to be this kind of goal-scoring talisman when he's 33, for instance. Mm, no, I think I think you could be right there. I think you could be right there. But it's it's just such an important uh, way to we play. I'm trying to think if you if if he if he did lose that drive and he wasn't able to get around the pitch as much, what he could be recast as because. He sort of plays like a, a sort of almost like a static playmaker who just gets the ball and just rolls past people and pops the ball off. Maybe I don't he could, know. No, he could definitely do that. That's kind of what he he always had that drive, but that's kind of what he started as somebody who was just very good at kind of setting the tempo for his team with the ability to burst forward because he never really scored that many goals for 
either St Mirren or Hibs. Mm-hmm. He's more, and his range of passing as well, because it's something you don't appreciate as much now because he's playing further forward. But his range of passing was something that always stood out to me when he was yeah. a when he was a Hibs player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 uh, I, 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 I love him. That's all I can really add to it. I know people tune into this podcast are looking for a great deal of analysis, but listen, you wanted Craig Anderson, you're getting Craig Telfer, so I'm really sorry. That's the that's the extent as as, as that goes for me. Right, let's talk about Steve Clark. So another just further cementing his his stature, his his legacy, whatever you want to say. He's been incredible for the national team. He survived some bumps he survived some doubts I have to say I had some doubts as well at, at, at points not necessarily after well actually maybe actually after the island one I was thinking how yeah. I wasn't really on the kind of I wasn't a big I wasn't a real doubter then but I, I like I started to wonder maybe whether he'd taken the team as far as he could it was actually probably prior to that when we're still struggling to beat Israel all the time. And I was like, surely we can be doing better than to beat Israel. I mean, Israel actually kind of emerged as a, a decent nation. We were probably underestimating them at the time. They were they were maybe parallel to Scotland and, and a, mm, a football-owned country very much on the up. Um, but he, he certainly, his position now is absolutely rock solid with the national team. And one thing I wanted to talk about is Something that's certainly, like I've said, I've had my doubts and I've never really called for him to, to go, but I've, I've had my doubts at points. But one thing that's always annoyed me is every time, especially when we've been doing well, when the, the squad comes out, and even when it's like friendly games and he's, he's picking the same players all the time and people are getting angry about it. They're like, you don't just trust Steve Clark to know what he's doing? Because it, it's been quite evident from the start since he's come in that he wants to foster this club mentality. So that unless players are really falling off a cliff, if you think of Declan Gallagher during mm, his time mm-hmm, at, at Aberdeen, if, unless it's something like that where they're just their their confidence is form is completely nosedived and therefore they can't really be trusted at a national team level to perform, he's happy to just continually bring in the same players in. Kenny McLean, for instance, mm, mm-hmm. uh, always showing faith in Lyndon Dykes. Like Clark is just read steadfast in this approach that it's all about the kind of understanding with the players. And I think the third goal last night is an exemplary example of how that has worked because it's understanding on the training field, it's mm-hmm. understanding in the dressing room and it's understanding on a football pitch. And that Scotland team doesn't score that type of goal without the players knowing each other so well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. The, the, the four, settling this 4-3-3, sorry, the 3-4-3 the system, players know exactly what's expected of them. It's, they've built that degree of synchronicity, that degree of chemistry, and that has come from spending a lot of time with each other. And you mentioned about just like Clark is a, a manager, like what he, what he brings on, on the pitch. You talk to players like, about the stuff off the pitch, they love playing for Scotland. It, it's great. It, it, it's great. And they love playing for Scotland. As a fan, I love watching this group of players play. They seem like a really, I say it all the time, they seem like such a, a likeable group of players. And I, there's, there's times I would never have, we're not going to go all you and Cameron and post a big, like, like pathetic thread on Twitter saying Hell. that. Aye, it's like that. Let's not know that. Either there were times. I think it was after the 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 there were question marks after the the Czech Republic game because there were things that he got wrong with that. The, as you mentioned, the the accusations that yeah, you can only play one system when when circumstances dictate you're you're inflexible and you're not able to change it. There was arguments over that against Ireland, which was the definite low point of his time at Manor. That was like his Kazakhstan moment. Off then that was just coming off the back of the. Not long after losing to to Ukraine at Hamden, 
I, there were times where, where you think we, we should change it, but it's like it's, the, the Scottish FA deserve a degree of credit for like sticking with him and trusting him and putting the faith in him because it is reaping rewards. I mean, this is as good. This is as good as, as watching Scotland as as it's been. Like, like I mean, obviously, other than qualifying for tournaments, I think of like Euro '96, the World Cup '98. But since then, since the turn of the, the century, this is as good as it's been. And it's a lot of it comes down. Yes, he's got he's got really good players to pick from, but he's the one that's got to find. He's the one that found the system for them. He's the one that organised it. He's the one that has helped foster and engender this really positive atmosphere. And I, I am, I'm fully not quite to the same extent that likes of Craig Anderson is, but well behind, <laughs> well behind Steve Clark. And he's also brought players into the national team who have done a, a great job as well, like Shea Adams, like Lyndon Dykes, and yeah. like Angus Gunn as well, who has yet to really had have any kind of big saves to make uh, no. in his, his Scotland career so far he but he, one, he made one against Norway I put this down to a bad miss more than I could say but Haaland had a header do you remember this like, oh, yeah. the boys play, and he, I mean Haaland thumped it right at him actually I don't know if that's a good save yeah but that's, every save has been right at him but he's, there's a still a, a real degree of comfort with Gunn because everything's hit at him, he's catching. He's not spilling mm-hmm. anything back yeah. out, which I don't think we would be able to fully trust Xander Clark or or certainly Liam Kelly. To do that. <laughs> I think that that's, uh, bringing him in was, was a masterstroke. It was huge getting him in because with Craig Gordon's injury, you look at the reserves and you're actually aghast at just how the quality drops off from Craig Gordon to everyone else. I'm trying to think the goalkeeper's emergent in Scotland, the only one that I can think of off the top of my head who's probably got a chance is the boy at Queen's Park, Callan McKenna. Yeah. He's, he's only 16, so he's still got a long way to go. But getting but, rave reviews in the Scottish Championship. Yeah, I mean, Sean McGuigan watched him on uh, Saturday last week in the, the Wraith Rovers win over the Spiders, and he was really impressed by him. And, and I think this is someone who certainly a number of clubs are trailing. Brighton are trailing him. Arsenal, I think Chelsea have been looking at him. So this is a guy that's got a big future ahead of him. And you hope that big future can translate into uh, an appearance for, Scot- for Scotland. But beyond that, it's sort of really slim picking. So a gun coming in and really cementing his place. I think Craig Gordon, when he's back fit and if, he's, if he wants to, I know he dislikes his family. So if he wants to come back into the Scotland fold... <laughs> So he, so he can spend even less time with them, then then he's got a hard he'll have a really hard job to to win the jersey back. I think it's the, the jersey's guns for the certainly for the the long term for the very foreseeable future. Okay, Germany is calling us. People have already started booking up. There's five people from the terrace already have booked up to go. They're flying to Dusseldorf. Uh, I think they're flying out the day before the the tournament starts, and we do. We've said on the Patreon we will have plans uh, when 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 Scotland. I'm not going to say it for anymore. When Scotland make it, we will have plans to to do some podcasting from over there. Um, we probably can't. We 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 can't do anything at the moment in time. Uh, I don't think it's given too much away to say that there, there's possibilities of of us recording shows. For the terrace, yeah, because we did one for the last Euro, so there is a possibility we'll have to do it again. So we don't know; we can't book anything up ourselves. But it was still great. It was there was still a bit of buzz just in the chat, seeing the rest of the guys. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. We're going. I says it's, and that's. I mean, that's just with our group of friends. That's probably there's probably chats like all around the country popping off. Everyone getting excited by it because there'll be people our age were probably too young to appreciate like France '98 and Euro '96. 
the the last tournament there was scuppered, scuppered by the the coronavirus, and it was a bit of a bit of a ghost tournament. Those games, what the capacity was it twelve thousand people at the games at Hamden against the Czech Republic and against Croatia. So it doesn't really count. And I think I'm not a fan of the idea of hosting tournaments like that span like a continent, for instance. I, I'm, I'm not interested in that. Containing it in a nation is is great, particularly a nation like Germany as well, which then for the infrastructure is perfect. For these sort of things, perfect for football fans. Trains, as well as trains that run on time, like that's some sort of massive luxury. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Where 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 football supporters are 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 seen as an essential part of the culture and an essential part of society, not kind of looked down on as they are perhaps in Scotland. I mean, we we recently saw the was it the transport commissioner trying to bring in that bill about uh, supporters' buses. Yeah, which is just just ridiculous. You wouldn't get that sort of thing uh, in, in Germany. So Germany's a perfect place for it. I can completely understand the excitement. I would have bought, booked something up as well. However, I'm the same as yourself. I'm kind of. Hopefully, hopefully the, the the BBC take take a chance on us and, and and let us go to and let us go and make some shows over in Germany. That would because for me that's like that's top of the mountain sort of stuff. That would, even, that would... even if they don't. So what was it last time? So we we recorded we recorded after we recorded before the tournament started. I think yes. I'm right in saying. And then mm. when did we record our second show? Was that after the England game? That, no, that was when we were put out. Was it, we were it, put was, out? it was two weeks. There was two. There was um, three episodes over the space of six weeks. So one at, right at the start, one after the group stages, and one at the end of the tournament, or one just before the end of the tournament. Anyway, yeah, it was before the final. I weird because I was just thinking cause I wasn't on that episode because yes. myself and Joel had uh, coronavirus. Yeah, although technically, a... technically, I did appear in the episode because I was there via via satellite <laughs> link via <laughs> MacBook. I buy a MacBook. Guys, as, as, as I shivered in my uh, in my in well, my even I was going to say, even if we have to to remain in in Granton um, for the the beginning of the tournament starting, I will be getting a flight out. If it's if it's structured the same way as last mm. time, I will I will be flying out. Even if I have to fly out and back again, I would like to record. I'll be doing that. That's class, man. That's class. It's great, man. It's this when you're at the when you're at this age where you can afford to go and do these things and. And you can, I mean, you can suit yourself as, as well in, in some instances. It's, it's brilliant, man. It's the, the feeling around the, the national team's amazing. And you know something, man, for a long time, I would have always said, if you had to pick club versus country, I would have always gone for Stenny because that's the thing that you you follow every it was, week. It was always an easy decision because Scotland was shite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the sort of thing. It's, it's a very easy decision to make because you're watching every week Scotland are shite. But I'm thinking like in our group of friends, Fowler, it's like if Stennis Muir were to win a league, That'd be amazing, but very much a, a very much only I can appreciate really appreciate it. You guys might be like, oh, that's good because because Telford's happy. But if it's Scotland are doing well, that's something that everyone can, can appreciate, and that's that's that, that's great. Like be, be one of the best. Like being being able to go to these games. I've been at, I've been working at the home game, so I've, I've been at all the games. It's great. Like the Spain game with Tony Anderson and uh, you and Taylor. Like being able to celebrate the Scott McTominay's goals with them, and like watching the Norway game. Just thinking, we've absolutely we're, we're getting nothing from this. It's just a pub full of people, just all hugging in and jumping at each other. It's great, man. That's what this that's what this team can do, and it's it's incredible. It's incredible that we're going to get a chance to do this again in Germany. And not to keep on speaking here, I think we're going there. We are going to be the new Turkey 
I'm going to say we are going to be dark horses. I can see, I can see us genuinely being dark horses. I can see. I, it's, I don't like, want us to be called dark horses though, because every time there's a, a team that is called dark horses going into the tournament, they're invariably shite. So I want us to be, I want us to be a dark horse that people go, ah, how do we not see them coming? Right. Well, you, you can't have that. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> We're not. We're not in that. I don't think. We're, I don't think we're quite in that. I said. That, I said. We're going to the semis. We're going to the semis. I just um, don't want anybody to call us dark horses. It's like when you look at, at Wales and Northern Ireland and what they achieved back. It was at Euro two thousand and sixteen. I know we don't necessarily have a, a superstar player like say like Gareth Bale, for instance. I mean, but it's not, it was, it was to, the, their big win on the, on the way to the semis was against Portugal, and the score of their winning goal was Hal Robson Carew. Well, Adams is better than him. That was, that was against Belgium, wasn't it? That was Belgium. Belgium. got put out by Portugal. That's it, when he, when he did that, that turn. But you're seeing now, like, having a, a, I remember for a long time thinking, oh, why do we not have a Gareth Bale? I mean, it's, it's great. We're producing world-class left-backs. If you had to produce a, a one position where you could produce tons of world-class players, and left-backs probably the, the least exciting you want attacking players. But you're seeing now, like, the Wales team, I mean, they've, they've they're qualification they can't they can't make it to, to Euro 2024 <laughs> and they, they, they just look like when it's all based around one player who is such a talisman for them it affects it like it probably takes away from the fact that the rest of the team's not that good and we're seeing that now and perhaps with Scotland is the fact that we we have got some very very good players we don't have a bona fide like, like absolute like totemic superstar but we've got very good players and that's that's better and that's why we are. That's why we're the new Turkey. We're the new Croatia. We're the new South Korea. We are the new. We're the new Wales. That's it. This is we're at Wales 2016. This is us all the way to the semis. Man. It's brilliant, man. What a feeling! And it's great being able to come on and talk positively about Scotland. Yes. Like, like thinking back to podcasts that we've done. I remember me and Craig Anderson doing one after the Ukraine game, and it was like 90 minutes of existential dread. Duncan Mackay saying, "Oh, what's the point in Scotland? Fuck off, Duncan." What's the point in qualifying? What's the point? What's the point in qualifying anymore? And that's it. I want this. Anyone who is part of the terrace and who is not part of the terrace, never let it be forgotten that Duncan said that what's the point in Scotland? Because it's coming, it's coming right back at you, big guy. It's coming right back at you. Right, Craig, that'll do us. Thank you very much for joining me. No, thank you, man. It was class. It was uh, always always good to catch up with yourself. We don't do it often enough. No, no. Hopefully we do it more in future. Excellent. And thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to hear more from us, other than the shows that are on our free-to-air feed, there is a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast, where there are at least five shows every week going up. Thank you very much, and goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.